I'm going to be reading in the book of Hebrews chapter 11, and we're going to be reading verses 1 through 6. It seems that in our Sunday school lessons and what pastors have been preaching as of late, faith, 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 faith is really the key word for a lot of us. Amen. Faith is the theme for this next step that is happening in our particular church. Amen. I'd like to greet anybody that's listening to the podcast here in the future. Hope you come on down to Texas or into Colleen and visit our church. Amen. I'd like to welcome you for listening to our podcast. Oh, by the way, I've always wanted to say that. Amen. So it is off my bucket list. Amen. Looking forward to it. Amen. I'm going to be reading in the book of Hebrews, chapter 11, verses 1 through 6, the faith chapter. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Amen. For, for by it, the elders obtained a good report. Through faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. That is a powerful, powerful statement. So that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. By faith, Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and by it he being dead yet speaketh. By faith, Enoch was translated that he should not see death, and he was not found because God had translated him. For before his translation, he had this testimony that he pleased God. Amen. And our last verse for this evening. But without faith, without faith, it is impossible to please him. I want it to sink in because in Christianum, I think that they forget that part. I think in the apostolic movement, in our apostolic faith, in our apostolic world, I think that we forget that if we do not have faith, it is impossible to please God. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. If we feel comfortable in doing so this evening, can we put our Bibles down and close our eyes and lift our hands and just begin to lift our voice as a collective, as a church, as a family, as a community of believers? Can we begin to lift our voice all over this place? Individuals born again of water and of fire. I don't know about you, but I believe that God can do all things exceedingly and abundantly above all we ask. Can we believe that God is going to do something great in this place tonight and that God is preparing us for something excellent? Begin to lift your voice right now. Lord God of Jacob, we thank you, Lord, for your word and your truth. You are the God that takes the impossible and makes it possible. God, you are the one that takes us to the uncomfortable places and shows us something greater than our expectations. Lord, tonight I ask that you just sweep into this place. Prepare our hearts, God, to receive your word. Lord, let hearts become receptive. Open hearts and minds, oh Lord God, to what you are going to bring forth today. We thank you, God, for what you are doing and preparing us for. God, into the unknown, God, you are waiting for us. Lord, move into this place in Jesus' name. Can we give the Lord a hand clap of praise? Oh, can we let hell be concerned with us tonight? Can we give God a loud praise in this place? Amen. You may be seated. In our, in our men's Sunday school and in our ladies' Sunday school and what pastor has been preaching, it's all been about faith. 
We know that Hebrews chapter 11 is the faith chapter. You see the heroes of the faith. Amen. So I would just like to add a, 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 another layer to what has been added and given to you already. In this particular message, I like to title it, The Great Unknown. The Great Unknown. Humanity, hum, human beings are, are a very unique creature. We know that out of all of creation, God really took his time with human beings. He instilled something in us to believe in something that is impossible. He instilled something in us to believe in something that is unknown, that has not been obtained yet. We, as a people, would not have grown scientifically or technologically or as a civilization or as a people if somebody did not dream a dream or have a vision of the unknown, the unattainable, the unimaginable, the unbelievable, and the impossible. Amen. Many of us, if, if unfortunately, if people did not go with those visions or that faith in something that's impossible, we'd be still riding around in wagons and riding horses and we would not uh, grow scientifically or medically. If we were sick, they would believe if we did not grow as a people or, or grow in the unknown, they would still believe that it was just an evil spirit, not understanding that it could be a virus or a bacteria. It took somebody believing in the unknown and having a theory of what is impossible. See, God is planting the impossible in our hearts, but God is saying, trust me to take you there. God is saying, I know that it's going to be uncomfortable and it, it seems impossible, but with me, all things are possible. He plants it in the hearts of every single individual for a mission, for a particular ministry, for a particular place in this kingdom. And in ourselves, we say, man, that's impossible. There's no way that we can achieve it. But God is looking for a dreamer. God is looking for somebody to act on that dream and to believe in that dream and to believe in that vision. Amen. God has placed that kind of vision that is the unknown, that's the uncomfortable, that's the uncertainty into the hearts of our children, into the hearts of our young people, into the hearts of our young adults to do great and mighty things in this kingdom. The great unknown. Faith is believing in the unseen. Faith is believing what has not been obtained yet. Faith is believing that we can achieve it through God. Amen. I look at throughout history that in the times of the Renaissance, in the times of medieval times or before that, there wasn't a world map. There were no satellite imagery. All they did was literally take their sailboats and go along the coast of continents and countries and just map it out and to draw it out and annotate what they knew. So sailors and mariners and seafarers, as they traveled in their shipping lanes, had a map. And all it had was a certain point of what they discovered. On the sides of the map, there was a portion called the Great Unknown. In some cases, it was known as the Great Beyond. And in some cases, it was the more beyond. They were uncomfortable. They were uncertain of what went beyond the map, what they knew, what they understood, what they were comfortable with. They believed in some circles that there were sea monsters that would eat your ship. There were giant whale-like creatures that would gobble up all your sailors if you went into the great beyond. There were some scientists because that's all they knew. 
that the earth literally had a giant waterfall and you would go off the edge of the earth in the great beyond, in the more beyond. But it took somebody with a vision. It took somebody with a dream to say what is beyond our map. What is beyond our comfort zone? What is beyond what we know? What is beyond that I understand and I have my rationalization and I'm comfortable with and this is all I know and I'm very scared of going into the great beyond. But it took somebody that said, load up my boat and we're going to see what's outside of those lines. We're going to go into the great beyond. We're going to go to the more beyond. And as time progressed, we were able to find out that there was a world and it is not flat. It is round. By the way, there are a group of flat earthers that literally believe that the earth is flat. We will pray for them. Amen. But what I'm saying is it took somebody believing in the impossible to progress the human race. It took somebody with a vision to progress technology and the scientific ability and the knowledge of mankind. It took somebody that said, I don't care if it's uncomfortable. I don't care if it's risky. I don't care if it threatens me. I would gladly give up my life to find out what is in the unknown. And God is calling some of us to get out of our comfort zone. To get out into our great beyond and our more beyond and to begin to pray the way that God is telling you to pray. To begin to fast the way that God is telling you to fast. To telling you to get up at 3 a.m. like God is telling you to get up at 3 a.m. And I'm telling you, 3 a.m. is the great beyond. It is the more beyond. It is tough and it's uncomfortable. It took those great explorers going to Antarctica and walking across it on with dog sleds. It took a great explorer to go to the North Pole and go across it with dog sleds because they had a vision and they had a dream and they understood that, yes, it once was impossible, but I believe that it can be possible. That is faith. And that is what God is calling us here tonight to get out of our comfort zone. We are about to go into a place that we've never been before. We're about to go into a region of this city we've never been before. We're about to go into a phase of this church that we've never been before. It is the more beyond, and it is the great beyond. But God is looking for somebody to activate the dream and the vision and the ministry in their lives to prepare for what's to come. But God, I'm, I like my map. God, there's civilization and food in my map. But God is saying, go. I'm waiting for you on the other end of the map. I paved the way. And I am your compass and I am your lighthouse. Amen. I think about October of 1947. I talked about it with the men. We know that before that, that aviation was very young in its days. We know that in the early 1900s, they were the old biplanes put together with an engine and canvas and sticks and good luck flying. We know that as World War II progressed, that technology began to progress and there were multiple engines and there was radar and we know that it progressed with technology and transportation and aviation, but it took somebody sitting at a table one night saying, can we go faster than we've ever been before? It took somebody saying, I, I think that we can move beyond this place. Our propellers are great, 
but we could go faster than we've ever been before. We could go beyond that we've ever been before, and, and it is risky, and it may cause death, and there may be casualties, but I'm believing that we could go faster than we've ever been before. We know that Nazi Germany was the, the first in history to create the jet fighter, the ME-262, and, man, that really progressed technology. But it took a scientist rightly dividing physics, studying the aspects of physics, saying, I think that we could go faster than the speed of sound. All the naysayers said, no, human beings will just liquefy going that fast. They're just going to die going that fast. The speed of sound is 767 miles an hour. I want to go faster than the bullet. I want to go faster than the speed of sound, and I'm believing that we can. Isn't that interesting to think that I'm speaking to you at 767 miles an hour? Did you know that if you everybody look at the light bulbs? Go ahead, look at your light. Look at the light bulbs. The light is literally leaving that bulb at 186,000 miles per second, hitting your eyeballs. That's just a known fact. Um, you can uh, wow everybody that you know with that fact. But the speed of sound, they believed that it was unachievable. They believed that if anybody would achieve it, it would die. Test pilots tried it, and they die. But it took somebody believing. It took a man by the name of Chuck Yeager, a crazy test pilot, a World War II veteran, a World War II ace. He crashed his plane a bunch of times and got up and did it again. He said, I volunteer. He's just a southern boy. So he jumped in a B-29 bomber that it was rigged out with this strange new plane attached to the belly. This bright orange plane called Glamorous Glennis, named after his wife. That plane was a glider with, an, with a rocket strapped to it. That was a crazy man. So they take off in the bomber, and they're flying over New Mexico in October of 1947. They're getting up to 30. 35,000, trying to push 40,000 feet. And they said, this is the day that we're going to go to the impossible. This is the day I'm going to have faith to go into the impossible. And so they carefully, all he had was a leather helmet. All he had was a leather jacket with sub-zero temperatures. And he jumped into that glider. Well, actually, he crawled into that glider. And he said, okay, let's, let's shut this hatch. And his shoulder was actually broken from a horse riding accident the day before. So he had to shut the hatch with a broom handle. Very rudimentary. And the scientist said, don't you worry, Chuck. We're with you. He says, that's great. We'll find out when I land. And so here they are. They're counting down, doing something that no man has ever done before. No individual has done before. But it took somebody with a vision and a dream believing in the impossible. So the countdown happened. He put on those goggles. We're not talking a spacesuit. We're not talking an oxygen mask, but a rudimentary pilot believing in the impossible. So they counted down 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, going down. And they released the plane from the bottom of that bomber, this glider. And you could see it on the internet. The glamorous glenis all orange, and they glides, and then they kick on that rocket motor. The, B, the B-29 said, okay, Godspeed, Chuck. He said, I'm going to need it. So that plane went, it starts shaking, starts shimmering, parts, some of the bolts start coming loose, and they're riding that rocket plane. 
until they hit 812 miles an hour. He broke the speed of sound. It was the first time in humanity outside a bullet, outside of a whip, that man, man heard a human being break the sound barrier with a loud boom. God is asking for you to break the sound barrier. God is asking you to have the faith to do the impossible. But if we sat in our comfortable biplanes, we would never progress. If we sat in our comfortable place that we've been, we would never progress as, as apostolics. Amen. God is asking you and calling you and commanding us to have the faith to do something we've never done before. The great beyond. And then he landed the plane. And he got out and kissed the ground. And then we just continue to go in science. I think about 1961, where it was a group of seven individuals who were test pilots, and they were crazy. There was a group called NASA that got together and said, we're going to send men to space. Nobody's been to space before. It's impossible. We really don't have the technology for it, but we're going to try it. So they took former nuclear ballistic missiles and they strapped a tin can on the top. That tin can was called a capsule. Inside that capsule was a human being. So I think about the Mercury 7, how they believed in the impossible. How them coming together got a whole nation to believe in the impossible. They said, okay, we're going to go to space. We're going to go higher than any man, any individual has ever gone before. I'm going to believe that we could do the impossible. So I think about 1961 by a man by the name of Alan Shepard who had the faith to get inside a tin can. Good luck getting Brother John Brown in that tin can. It's about a little bit bigger than this pulpit. That's it. So he crawls inside this rocket, this missile that used to be designed to carry a nuclear warhead, a thermonuclear ballistic missile. Every test before that point blew up. So he got inside, and this rudimentary NASA, this rudimentary uh, mission control said, do we want to launch? I don't know. Do you want to launch? I don't know. I'm not sure. We, we don't know the numbers. We've had all these explosions. We've blown up launch pads. We've blown up every rocket. Are you sure? And then Alan Shepard comes on the radio and said, can we just light the candle? Can we just light this thing? And so Alan Shepard launched and became the first man in space. Praise God that it wasn't like the other tests. But it takes somebody believing in the impossible. It takes somebody saying, I'll be the one to go pray for the young person. I'll be the one to go pray for that brother and sister. I'm the one to go pray for pastor when he says he doesn't need prayer. I'm the one that goes to the workday. I'm the one that comes and prays and fasts. I'm the one that grabs your hand and takes you to go dance and to worship. God is looking for the impossible believers by faith. Faith. But are we sitting I like my map, Pastor. Oh, the odds don't look good with these numbers. We've, we've had a lot of tests and failures, but I don't know if we can do it. And God is saying, I'm already at the finish line. God has called some of our young people and young adults and adults to do great things in the kingdom, but they doubt themselves. It's the naysayers that say, there's no way that you can do it. There's no way that you could achieve what God is telling you to achieve. 
the numbers don't look good. It's, it's too dangerous. There's, you're just going to fail. I rebuke that in Jesus' name. The devil is a liar and the father of all lies. Amen. Faith is a substance of things unseen and the evidence of things hoped for. Amen. I think about 1961, President John F. Kennedy, just after Alan Shepard, he said, I know that we just went to space, and I'm glad that Alan didn't blow up on the rocket. But by the end of the decade, we're going to go to the moon. Amen. What? Are you, are you okay, Mr. President? Are you sure? I mean, we barely got Alan up there. Are you sure? Yeah, by the end of this decade, we're going to go to the moon. It takes faith in the impossible. It takes somebody saying, I'm going to latch onto a dream. It took the one scientist to believe that we could go to space by rocketry. It took the one, one individual, the test pilot and the astronaut, to get a whole nation behind them. It takes the one youth, the one young adult, the one apostolic, the one brother and the one sister to begin to latch onto the dream that our pastor has put in this church. Amen. But it could take one to bring us down. No, there's no way. And we know that July 11th, 1969, that they landed on the moon. With the death of three astronauts, with a lot of issues, they continued mission and understood that I believe in the impossible. Amen. I hope this resonates with somebody tonight because God is pulling individuals to get out of their comfort zone. God is pulling you to get out what you've done because I'm here to tell you our next season, it's going to be the unknown. Our next season, it's going to be uncomfortable. Our next season, God is going to ask you to do the hard things and the uncomfortable things. God is going to ask you to get out of that comfort zone and pray for the visitor. God is going to ask you to do what you feel comfortable, what you're certain of, and begin to rock your world and say, I'm at the end waiting for you to achieve the impossible. Faith faith. Amen. Talked about this morning, Noah. We know that a man that had never seen rain, a man that saw the wickedness of this earth, and God spoke to him and said, okay, I'm going to flood the earth. I know you've never experienced it. You have no way to comprehend it, no way to even think it out. You have no visualization of a flood, but I'm going to flood the earth. This is what I want you to do. You're going to build a 450-foot boat made of gopher wood, and you're going to take two of every animal, seven clean, two unclean, and you're going to put them on this boat. You're going to take your family, put them on this boat, and I'm going to flood the earth, and I'm going to save you. Can you imagine how his, Noah's mind, just joking, but Noah's mind just exploded? What? But immediately, he started cutting down the sheet of wood. He started cutting down and preparing this ark. He started counting out and taking inventory of the animals. He started preparing this ark when everybody was a naysayer. Every wicked man, every wicked woman, every wicked child that was on the earth at the time said, Noah, what are you doing? This is impossible. You've lost your ever-loving mind. Why are you trying to achieve this? It's, you're just wasting your time. Until the day it started raining. It took Noah 100 years to build the ark. Can you imagine the doubt that he faced? See, with God, we try to put a timeline. God is beyond spatial and temporal. That means he's beyond time and he's beyond space. 
When God said he's going to do something, it could take 100 years, but God is going to do it. The promises of God are yea and amen. Some of you have been praying for children, and it took you a multitude of years, but God provided a child. Some of you have been waiting for the gifts of the Spirit. Keep waiting if it's not there, but God will provide if you seek it. Amen. God is asking you to do something, but he just says, wait, and just stand by and do what I've told you to do to reach the impossible. They believed when they were drowning, didn't they? Noah believed when it started flooding. And God is telling you, as Elder Phillips said this morning, to build your ark. What parts are we lacking? Are we back to the work that God has commanded us to do? Or have we stopped? Is it kind of like a house that has 16 cars in the front yard and we constantly hear it said, I'm going to work on them? I'll get to it. I'll finish this project. And some believe in the impossible instead of the possible. Amen. Pastor talked about Abram, who would become Abraham, called out of the land of Ur, which is modern-day Iraq, which is near the city of Babylon, and he was going to go into a country he does not know. He did not have Apple Maps. He did not have Google Maps. He didn't even have a map. And God just said, go. I want you to leave your family, which is hard sometimes. I want you to leave your family and follow me. I want you to leave your comfort zone in your city and follow me. I want you to leave everything that you know and trust me and go to a land that I prepared for you because you will be a seed of many nations, as numerous as the sands on the shore and the stars in the sky. Can you imagine the doubt that Abram may have had or the doubt that he thought in himself, how am I going to leave my family? Here's a voice that I've never heard before, but God spoke to him and chose him to be the father of the faithful. He went into a land he did not know. He became a people he did not prepare for, but he trusted God for the impossible. We know that we have an Isaac and then a Jacob, and then the 12 tribes, and it was a people by his faith. And God is ready to birth something out of your faith. God is ready to create something out of your faith. Can you imagine the lives that you would affect, as Pastor said, if we had the faith to do what God has asked us to do? I think about Moses, who was raised as an Egyptian. He had the education and the skill sets and the knowledge of an Egyptian until it came to his attention that he was a Hebrew. And then on the backside of the wilderness, he heard of the God of Israel. He heard how they were crying for 415, 420 years. And then he sees a theophany. Nobody else had seen it that way. A theophany is a revelation, a manifestation, a showing of God's glory. Amen. Nobody had seen a bush that burns without being consumed, but he had the faith to listen to it. You're going to take my people, and you're going to come out of that place, and I will create a nation from them. It is a promise going back to Abraham. Can you imagine the doubt? Oh, well, he said it. How can I? I'm slow to speech. How can I? And God says, I made you. I created you. I know what you're capable of. How many of us today say, God, I can't do it? 
I'm slow to speech. I'm not educated. I haven't been in this long enough. I'm not at this certain level of apostolic. But faith, the size of a grain of a mustard seed, you could tell a mountain to be thou removed and cast into the sea, and it shall go. Faith, by laying of hands, the sick shall recover. Faith, cast out demons. Faith does great things. Faith is the powerhouse of our walk with God. But what is God calling us to do? I think about Gideon, not my son who says dada. Not my son who runs around and pulls everything out of the, cu- the cupboards and eats it and says dada snack after he eats it. I hope you enjoyed your snack, son. Amen. But I'm talking about the judge of Gideon who was hiding in a cave when the children of the east came and God said, you're going to go out and you're going to lead my army. You're going to go out and be the one where nobody else has stood. You're going to be the one that had the faith to stand where nobody else rose up against the children of the east. You're going to be the one. Gideon's like, are you sure, Lord? I, I, I don't think I have the ability or the capability. And what did God tell him to the angel? Rise up, thou mighty man of valor. Thy mighty man or mighty woman of valor who's in this place today. Stop hiding in your cave. You were never meant to be there. You were never meant to dwell in that cave. Amen. God is saying rise up. When nobody else has made a stand, you have made a stand. And begin to lead where God has told you to lead. The impossible. The great unknown. I think about David who was a rudy young lad who was a youth. And God told him to go out and to take out a giant, a Philistine, a descendant of the Anakims, a descendant of the giants that Joshua and the children of Israel had to encounter. This giant, this youth, when nobody else would do it, a youth went out and trusted God. A youth went out and was fervent for God. A youth was the one that went out and grabbed the five stones. A youth was the one that got furious and upset when people were trash-talking their God. Amen. Can you imagine how was the unknown? I don't remember anybody before Joshua and the children of Israel, a child standing before the giant. What is God calling you to do? What, God, what is God asking you tonight to do? But I'm scared, God. God has not given you the spirit of fear, but a power of love and a sound mind. God, I, I'm not sure I'm vulnerable. In my weakness, he is ever stronger. God, I feel alone. He never leaves you nor forsakes you. The name of the Lord is a strong tower where the righteous can run to it and be safe. He is my high tower. He is my buckler. A buckler is a type of shield. He is my shield and my staff and my rod. Our God is our all in all. He is a rock which I stand on. Amen. God goes before us. And what has God been pulling you to do? Has it led you to feeling guilt leaving the service because we didn't do what God has asked us to do? Do we feel like we're missing something because we have not done what God has required us to be? Do we feel that apprehension? Do we feel that we are lacking fulfillment because we are not doing what God has asked us to do? God takes the impossible and makes it possible. Amen. I think about a bunch of Galilean fishermen at the turn of the latter days of B.C., 
sitting there fishing, and here's this man that says, follow me. Who are you? Nope, drop your nets. I'm going to make you the fisher of men. Follow me. And they immediately left their business. They left their boats. They left their family and followed Jesus. That's the unknown. That's the great unknown. That's the more beyond. That's outside the comfort zone. But God is asking us. God is requiring us. Drop your nets. Follow me. What is it that you have been wanting to do? We have eagerness, but what is it behind? We have zeal, but what is it behind? We have excitement and passion, but what is it behind? What is God calling you to do? The great unknown. We will never grow as a church until somebody believes in the impossible. We will never go into the depths that God wants to take us in this new season if we don't believe in the impossible. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. When we lack faith, it is an expression of, God, you cannot do it. Without faith, it is minimizing the capability of God. We are saying with our lack of faith that God cannot do it. The only thing that God cannot do is lie. He is the one that it said in Hebrews 11 that we believe by faith that he spoke planets into existence. I don't know many individuals that I've come in my 37 years of life that speaks planets into existence. I'm telling you, it'd be viral if it happened. But God can do all things. I believe in a God that heals. I believe in a God that removes and obliterates cancer. I believe in a God that changes and changes hearts. Amen. Do we believe in a God that can do all things exceedingly and abundantly above all we ask or think? Maybe that backslidden family member is waiting for you to come pray with them. Maybe that backslidden brother or sister is waiting for you to go to the door and give them a hug and make it right. Maybe the diaspora is waiting for somebody to call them. If you remember at the latter part of World War II, there was a rabbi. His name escapes me. We know that many Jewish children were hid amongst the Catholic churches and the Presbyterian churches and the Methodist churches. And at the latter part of the Holocaust, at the end of the war, they were trying to find as many Jews as possible because six million lost their lives. And these children were blended in as Christians. These children were blended in as church members. These children were blended in as non Jews. It took a rabbi believing in the impossible. It took them years to count the death toll. It took them years to identify what was lost, but it took a rabbi believing that there was still hope, and he went throughout Europe from church to church just singing Shema, Israel, Adonai, Eloheinu, Adonai, Echad. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And those children immediately stopped what they were doing in the church. The choir boys, the choir members, those cleaning the church, those that were staying with priests, they stopped what they were doing and they begin to recite the Shema. Many of them begin to cry out, Mama, Mama, because their mothers that were killed in the concentration camps would sing them, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. That is what the 
diaspora is looking for somebody walking through the ranks, uh, walking through the populace, looking for the casualties that we've lost in this church. But it takes us uh, beginning to say the things of God and uttering the things of God, beginning crying out, uh, is there any survivors in this holocaust? Uh, is there any survivors uh, in the apostolic holocaust? Uh, I believe in the impossible. It took one rabbi believing in survivors. Is that what our backsliders are looking for? Praying all that we do. Can we stand to our feet tonight as my wife comes to the piano? God is asking us to do great things. God is asking us to do things that we've never done before. God is asking us in this new season to get out of our comfort zones. Can we close our eyes and lift our hands? And while you are praying, I want God to bring illumination. I want God to enlighten what he has called you to do. I want God to shine his lights moving at 800, 186,000 miles an hour within your heart of what you are supposed to do, what God is expecting of you, what God is calling you to do. Begin to lift your voice, and I pray tonight that it is a birth of a passion. It is a birth of a burden here tonight that that's all it becomes. Let it be in the rhythm of your heart. Can you begin to lift your voice here tonight? Begin to cry out to your God that there's individuals in the exile and individuals in the diaspora waiting for us uh, to call out uh, amongst the casualties. Oh, God, begin to move into this place. God, remind us of our purpose. Remind us, oh God, of what you have expected of us. God, nothing is impossible to you. Nothing is unknown to you, oh God. Oh, Lord God, help us, oh, Lord Jesus, to progress to the church that you desire us to be. Amen. These altars are open. Many of you, you know that God spoke to you. God, I've got to get out of the boundaries of my map. God, I've got to get out of the boundaries of my comfort zone and be what you have called me to be, God, because lives are at stake. Children are at stake. Young people are at stake. Youth are at stake. Young adults are at stake. Uh, God, I need you tonight. The pastor can't do it by himself. Sister White can't do it by herself. A vision has to be contagious. A passion has to be contagious. Oh God, bring us out of what we were and take us, God, to what is beyond our imagination. God is looking for the one tonight. My wife is going to sing. These altars are open. I'm excited about the next phase.